You're listening to In The Know, a collection of career development insights and leadership experiences from INSEAD, the business school for the world. Welcome to episode nine of In The Know, and today we are talking about how to transform yourself and your organization with our guests from the Executive Master in Change or the EMC program. Understanding how to create a fit between our colleagues, our organization, and our corporate goals is incredibly important as we try and make significant contributions in our careers. One of the things we discussed in today's episode was the importance of understanding ourselves as a professional. Now, the more we can get to know ourselves and get to know the strengths that we have, we can do, uh, we can do two things. We can understand and develop a wider repertoire of sensitivity and sensibility, that is to say, understanding and seeing things. And secondly, of actions or interventions that we're able to take. In other words, we see more and we can do more. That was one of the EMC program directors, Michael Scheel. Michael has taught extensively in the field of strategic leadership where his specialized interest is in the challenges of strategy in situations of uncertainty and ambiguity. We were also joined by Samantha Yarwood. Samantha spent over 15 years in marketing and communications with a focus on building the brand, creating community and inspiring through innovation and recently left the corporate world to start focusing on tapping into the collective powers of our community to create positive change. Samantha is a current participant on the EMC program and discuss the most important aspects of self-transformation. First of all, I think you have to be open to it and you have to want it because it doesn't matter if somebody tells you you need to transform or even if you're very aware of there's things that you need to do differently, you have to actually want to do it. And I call it bubble jumping. So what I think is you need to get out of your bubble. And we all have the bubbles that we live in because of our family, our friends, our work, our social circles, and especially today with digital and social media, we're exposed to the same type of thinking all the time. So try and figure out a way to get out of your bubble and do something that makes you really uncomfortable. So let's get in the know with Samantha Yarwood and Michael Scheel. Let's start with introducing yourselves, you know, just a bit about your career, where you've come from. Uh, both geographically and and professionally, I guess. And I I guess, Sam, take it away. Okay. Um, So I am originally from Canada. You might hear that in slightly in my accent, especially with my abouts. Um, (laughs) But I have lived in three other countries. I lived in Mexico at the age of 15 and had a chance to live in the Netherlands twice and lived in Switzerland for three years. And the reason I mention that is because um, all of those experiences have definitely left an imprint on me um, and how I interact with the world. Um, so I'd say I'm probably more of a global citizen than I am 100% Canadian. Nice. Um, but in terms of my career, um, I've spent a lot of time thinking about this. And it's really based off of what my mission in life is, and that's to act as a catalyst for positive change. Um, It's really important to me to be able to support people personally, professionally, and also from an organizational perspective, and specifically around creating a culture of what I call goodness. The way that um, I try to approach that is through helping people to create what I call a shared economy of knowledge. 
um, but also to leverage their talents because I really firmly believe that we all have very unique gifts. Sure. And if we embrace those a little bit more, then we can actually co-own success together and do things that people never dreamed possible. Mm-hmm. Um, when I think about all the roles that I've had, I'd say that's probably one of the red threads as well as being slightly disruptive um, and constantly thinking about how do we do things differently? So that innovation edge. Um, one of the things that I'm playing with right now is we all know the world definitely needs a lot of change um, sure. if it's going to sustain itself. And I'm trying to only do work that's focused on either changing industries or changing perspectives. So currently working on a few things from sustainable seafood to ending addiction and working with organizations on transformation and change of leadership teams. So really Very kind nice. of broad. Very nice. And Michael, tell yeah. us a bit about yourself. Hi. Where have you come from? And, uh, and why you're here, I guess, today. I'm Michael Scheel. At the moment, I'm Joint Program Director of the Executive Masters in Change at uh, INSEAD. I began my career as a civil engineer. Uh, I was uh, born in Ireland. I left, gosh, 40 years ago, dare I say that, and uh, went to Southeast Asia, where I was working in relief and uh, aid work. And uh, that had quite an impact uh, on my life. I subsequently left Southeast Asia, went working in Africa and certain parts of the Middle East as well, and became interested in uh, change within societies and uh, organizations. After my MBA with uh, a, a university in New York, I began consulting and teaching in the area of strategy and began my doctorate. Uh, Working in teaching and strategy, I noticed something very interesting. Most strategies don't work. <laughs> All of the uh, research shows that somewhere between 20 and 30% of strategies uh, actually achieve their goals in the medium to long term, whatever that might be within a community or a business. And I became curious about that. And uh, the outcome of that was I discovered that strategies don't work mainly because the situation that we face is a little bit more complex than we thought at first. Of course. There's a lot more uncertainty, which is a bit unnerving. And the situation is just full of humans. <laughs> and well, so yeah. and one of the things that you'll notice about humans is they behave like humans. Mm. And so I became curious about humans. So in parallel with my career in the logical, rational, and analytic world of strategy, I also became interested in how the human mind works and deals with organizations. So I trained initially uh, in the field of group psychoanalysis and having got my qualification there, I then studied in the application of that thinking to organizations at the Tavistock Institute in London. My doctorate included uh, aspects of group psychoanalysis as well as complexity theory. So I'm really messed up. Um, uh, I agree with what uh, Samantha has said. I think one of the great challenges that we have of professionals is helping our communities, our societies, our businesses to make the transitions that they need to make uh, with the minimum of fuss, the minimum of pain and the maximum of effectiveness. Mm -hmm. And that's effectively what we're trying to do on the EMC. Very nice. And we'll go into some details of the program shortly. But just more about the highlights of your careers. You, you've both had distinguished careers um, that are available to look at on LinkedIn, of course. Completely. Um, but just talk about some of the key highlights to yourself. What, what do you really hold and cherish? 
in your careers? Let's start with Sam. So I left Starbucks just over a year ago um, and having gone through the EMC program, as you mentioned, we're on module seven. So getting close to the end of the actual uh, in-school work, mm. um, it's I've had a lot of time to reflect on that. And one of the things that probably is a highlight for me, to be honest, was working for Starbucks. Right. And I know when I say that, probably what jumps into people's mind is global brand, you know, tier one organization. But for me, it actually was um, what I'm going to call my university of life. Sure. And I learned a lot. And specifically, I learned a lot about transformation of business. I learned a lot about strategy, but I also learned a lot about the human aspect and what's important to actually affect transformation within an organization. Um, so as part of that, you know, some of my highlights have been things from watching new business units, whether it was consumer packaged goods in Canada to a business unit in EMEA, so Europe, Middle East and Africa, which sure. was licensing. Yep. Um, having a chance to transform myself and have different positions within the organization. You know, I started off as a recruiter and I joke that I was such a good recruiter. I recruited myself into another role, um, <laughs> which is true. Yeah. Um, I became a sales support advisor, which was really about program support and strategy. Sure. I did that for a few years. Um, then I moved over to develop a new business unit. Um, and then from there, I had a chance to move into a marketing position. Nice. So at one point, I had a chance to lead the EMEA a marketing team, which was mm. phenomenal. Mm. Um, and just having a chance to travel around the world, see different cultures and perspectives, um, but also to work with some really phenomenal leaders um, and to see what a good leader looks like versus um, what isn't as effective. You know, to Michael's point, one of the things I've been fascinated about is organizations often on an annual basis come up with a new plan or a strategy. And why does the old one no longer work? Is it the leader that's involved? Is it the business? Um, and I've been through like specifically two transformations with the business um, where I've seen it actually work. So the learnings mm. from that to me are something that I'll be able to apply with the rest of my life. Sure. And and I guess while you're looking to sort of get, share that knowledge and experience oh, with other people in the work you're doing now. Yeah. And similar yeah. to Michael, I got really curious about why do things work or not work within organizations, sure. especially around innovation. So mm. if you look at where a lot of business leaders are today, they know that they need to change and mm. they know their organization needs to change. Mm -hmm. However, it's only like 36% that actually believe they have the capabilities to do that. Mm. Um, so I'd say some of the highlights of my career have really been having a chance to um, you know, be able to see that. Sure. But also um, I've worked on some really cool projects. Mm. Um, and whether that's things from what we called in Canada, shoulder to shoulder work, where we actually looked at how do we change the entire organization's mindset to a growth mindset. Mm -hmm. That was really cool and fun to be part of that. Um, but another fun project that I worked on is I had a leader that I worked with who really gave us the carte blanche to create whatever we wanted. Nice. And um, we realized at one point in time in Switzerland that the coffee market is only a certain size, um, but we wanted to be able to reach people all across Switzerland. So we built something called Starbucks on the train. So we physically took a train off of the track and built a Starbucks that was a train. Oh, wow. Um, that was one of, I'm going to say, the most fun projects I've ever worked <laughs> on. So, yeah. Sounds amazing. Yeah. Michael, some highlights from yourself. I suppose there are two areas that, uh, that stand out for me. One is, in my eyes, a growing belief that uh, a liberal commercial economy is one of the most effective ways in which millions of people have been and can be lifted from poverty into functioning societies. That sounds like a very grand statement. Mm. But what I'm saying is I worked as a, as a volunteer in... Uh, Bangladesh 
not long after achieved independence. And uh, of course, like most aid workers, I thought I was coming in to do good. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was quickly dispelled. People don't want to be done to. They don't want to be patronized. They don't want stuff uh, provided to them. They just want the same chance that you have. Sure. And uh, I was humbled because I thought I was coming to give something and I got more than I gave. Wow. Yeah. That's been true, not only in terms of the, the belief that I have of the value of developing economies, but also developing uh, people. In my job currently, I'm called a teacher or a professor or a guide or something uh, like that. But the highlights for me uh, in my career have been what I've gained from all of the people that I've uh, worked with. And we always say on our program in EMC, nobody learns more than the teachers. Mm. And that's still true. Mm. Um, So the highlights uh, for me, both professionally and personally, have been a sense that I think we're doing something useful. We don't always do it perfectly. We, We still have a lot to learn, but I think it helps if we can have other organizations, societies, communities, countries to function well. And secondly, to engage with one another in doing something useful, we gain so much uh, from the interaction. Mm, very nice. Uh, I guess we've sort of touched on it that, uh, you know, today's episode's about, you know, transforming yourself and transforming your organizations. And, and we've sort of seen that weaved already through. Uh, it's a big part of the program. Um, if some of the examples that you may have of, of real key moments of transformation that you've seen or witnessed, um, you know, what's, what does transformation look like and, and how have you witnessed that and how have you sort of seen that unfold? Can you sort of share some of your insights there? Let's start with Sam. So when I was thinking about this question, a few things popped to mind. And one is the first leader that I worked for. Um, and he did not have the best reputation in the business. Sure. Um, and in fact, that sometimes made it difficult for his team, including myself, when it came to doing work in the U.S. Um, and it's the first time that I'd ever seen a 360 process. So mm. when you get feedback from others um, and you take that and you apply it to yourself in theory. Sure. And um, that feedback can be quite frontal. Oh, like it's, it's really brutal at times. Very brutal. Yeah, Very exactly. brutal and very confronting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And with this individual in particular, he received a lot of feedback. Sure. But what I was really impressed by was two things. Is one, the way that he took that feedback and he really digested it and listened to it. Perfect. Um, he completely transformed himself as a leader. Mm. Um, and in turn, therefore, did the same for his team. Sure, of course. Where he ended up, I'm going to say, evolving to or transforming to was he had a very successful career. Um, but he also taught me the skill of listening to what other people say, realizing the impact that you're having on others, and then adjusting in a way that you want to show up every day. And because he got so much from it, he then encouraged all of his team to do the same. Sure. Um, and that was the first time that I did a 360 process. And that was probably about 14 years ago. Right. Um, and that is something that has stuck with me ever since. Mm-hmm. I try and do it on an annual basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and to your point, Luke, sometimes the feedback is really confronting and difficult. Sure. Yep. But I do believe the more, it's like a muscle, the more that you actually practice that, yep. the more receptive you become to it. Nice. And also the more you can, I'm going to say, filter out what's important for you to move forward and also so 
but you might just say, you know what, I'm not going to work on that. Sure. Um, but also to be able to provide that to your teams. Sure. And, you know, you'd asked before around highlights of the career, but also transformation. And part of that, to me, that feedback process, um, I believe is really important when you're leading and developing teams. And that's an area that I think I've really accelerated in. And I've also been very proud of the teams that I've developed and seen them transform. Um, some of the transformations that I witnessed and one of the biggest ones was probably if you look at Starbucks, um, you know, during the economy crisis a few years ago, mm -hmm. um, there was a plan that was put in place for the U.S., which you can read about and onward. Um, and that was quite successful. But we adapted a lot of the learnings to the EMEA business. So EMEA being Europe, the Middle East and Africa. Um, and part of that was at the time we were in a place where. I'm going to say we were in the most competitive market in the world. If you think about coffee in the course. European marketplace, mm -hmm. um, Starbucks had opened successfully. It was potentially seen as a treat and reward destination. And also we were working with a lot of different types of business across the markets. So it wasn't all company owned. There was joint venture partnerships, licensing, et cetera. Um, so we really needed in order to elevate our experience to really transform the business. And what I learned through that was a few different things about, you know, setting clear direction and vision, but also really collaborating and engaging with everybody in the organization. Mm -hmm. And Michael touched on this. The most important part of any organization is the people and the individual. Mm -hmm. And as messy as they can be, they can also be really beautiful. Mm -hmm. So when you can like tap into that collective power. Um, if you're able to harness the potential and help other people see what their role is and how they're part of something bigger, it can be really transformative. Yes, of course. Um, so I think those are a few examples of where I've really been able to see kind of businesses or individuals evolve. Mm. I'll throw the same question to you, Michael. Oh, sure. Um, we sometimes say uh, in learning about change, if you really want to learn about change, go change something. <laughs> nice. Because you, you're going to learn more from the doing and then reflecting on it afterwards than all the theorizing. Sure. Um, I suppose what I've also learned is that there's a very big difference between transformation and engineering. When yeah. I was um, an engineer, although I was a very junior engineer, I was involved in major construction projects. When you're an engineer, you think first, you plan everything, and then you build and you hope it stays up, but it usually does because you've thought it through sure. and it's possible to think it through. I think the hardest thing about transformation is that it's unpredictable. Mm. You can't engineer it. You can't sit down and say, this is what's going to happen. We'll resolve all the uncertainties, take away the risks, and above all, we can normalize all of the people. It just doesn't work that way. Yep. Now, why am I saying that? Because if I think about the transformations that have been most significant in my life. I can think of a number of projects that I've worked on. And if I have any skill in the area, it's also because of the people who have guided me and who have been very patient with me when perhaps I didn't have any right to have them so patient. So I'm mm -hmm. thinking of various teachers, counselors, and other people who have been part of my own uh, professional and personal formation. So the first transformation is self. It's me. Mm. Uh, I still think of myself as a work in progress, even at my level of uh, seniority. And uh, I, th I think that unless we maintain that stance as, as learners, as continuous learners, uh, we're not going to be able to help uh, other people. So the, the first transformation, to my mind, is always self as an ongoing process. Sure. And I that's can... reflected almost through the program as well, isn't it? That uh, uh, you start with self. 
yes as, as part of the process and again we'll talk about that uh, shortly but yeah absolutely yeah uh, I can think of a number of uh, of projects uh, that I've worked on a number of commercial projects I'm thinking of one particularly demanding one which I did a few years ago in uh, in Germany where the strategic reality had changed for the company and it was very difficult for some very senior managers to accept that the world had changed. Sure. So we were in the situation as a group of people working on this change. On the one hand, we recognize the strategic reality, that is to, to say, the market opportunities have, have changed and therefore the offer must change. Mm. On the other hand, the leadership aspect of that uh, is about helping people to come to face reality and deal with their own transformation. Mm. Leadership, for me, is ultimately about creating the conditions for success within a group of people, a context and the conditions for success. Mm. Now, it's easy to say that, but we face uh, a lot of not only cognitive, but also emotional difficulties in bringing people to that space. I think without the uh, training uh, and experience that I had had under supervision in earlier in my career, I wouldn't have been able to guide those people. So it works both ways. Mm. We learn a little bit ourselves and we make that available to, to other people in their transformation. Sure. Very nice. Let's start with Michael. And, and, and we mentioned that the strapline of the EMC program is transforming self and transforming organizations. So what does transformation mean to the participants that go through the EMC program? I think the majority of people who participate in the program uh, arrive with, uh, to learn with us because they face uh, a significant need uh, within their careers or in the, perhaps the career that they want to take up next which is connected with the change uh, in organizations or in societies, communities, companies of, of some kind. The participants who study with us tend to be very experienced, very senior people who have significant experience of change in all its difficulties and messiness. And so mm -hmm. they're very, very realistic and they're bringing uh, an amazing set of experiences which they then are able to think about and transform. So they're using the experience that they have and transforming the, the way in which they make sense of those experiences. Sure. Now, as you say, the, the strapline of the, the program is transforming self and organization. Now, transforming self is not a selfish or narcissistic thing. Sure. We believe that as an agent of transformation, first of all, we, we ourselves have to be open to transformation not just as some kind of uh, interesting ethical issue, but our capacity to understand and gain insight into the transformational challenges facing organizations or our own students is enhanced by our deep knowledge. Most of the knowledge that, that we have in our minds is actually uh, tacit knowledge. It's, it's deep in the background. It's down deep. Mm -hmm. We don't know we have it, but it's what we operate out of. It's a kind of an operating system sure. that we have. Now, the more we can get to know ourselves and get to know the strengths that we have, we can do, uh, we can do two things. We can understand and develop a wider repertoire of sensitivity and sensibility, that is to say, understanding and seeing things. And secondly, of actions or interventions that we're able to take. In other words, we see more and we can do more. Sure. 
By doing that, we're also then able to influence the societies or the systems that, that we're trying to help by guiding them into new perspectives. Mm -hmm. So there are kind of two areas of transformation. One is in the head and the other is in the heart. Right. So cognitive and affective. Sure. Now, the cognitive aspect is often guiding uh, our clients or our colleagues into seeing the world in some different way. When we're doing strategy, for example, one of the most important ta tasks we have in the early phases of strategy making is connecting with reality, including inconvenient truths, ways in which we may have new types of, uh, of competitors, people who don't compete the way um, our competitors used to, sure. people who create value for customers in entirely different ways mm. and offer them things that we never even thought were possible. Sure. Now, our reaction to that may be to say, well, we'll just pretend it doesn't exist, or we can actually engage with that reality. We see that in... Uh, in banking, we see that in uh, the hospitality business, in the travel business, in, in businesses that haven't even been invented yet, sure. that are being conceptualized. So that's in the head. Now, we also know that when humans engage with change, the, the heart, we'll say, mm. the feelings, the deep feelings, some of which we're not always aware of, have an impact on how we see things and what we feel like doing. Sure. So we're not saying it shouldn't be. We're just saying we, we need to understand that aspect too, because therein lies a lot of the challenge mm. uh, of transformation. Sure. So what so what have we got to bring uh, as professionals? We don't necessarily always have uh, tools or uh, easy uh, ideas, but instead what we bring is ourselves in all our capacity to relate to others mm -hmm. and in our capacity to help others to see the world differently and particularly to face up to some very, very demanding circumstances to help them to face what must be faced, find a way through it uh, that is professional uh, and that is respectful of all involved. Very nice. Mm -hmm. You sort of bore or touched upon uh, competition there and, and the disruption that's going on. And Samantha, you said, uh, you know, the world is changing so quickly these days. Yeah. We'll come back to, you know, the modern business and, and the needs of the modern business. But I'll throw a question to Samantha. I mean, I, I saw a question on, on your LinkedIn profile. It was a video, actually. You were saying, I didn't want to work for a big corporation. Well, at the time, you're working for one of the biggest corporations in the world, in, in Starbucks. And I, I really liked that statement and, and wanted to know more about, you know, how did that occur? Because, you know, that was seemed to be a conflict of, of where you wanted to go and where you were going. And how how did you how do you plan your own transformation? Like, how did that come about? And, and how do you feel what, what is important when we're making these decisions in our careers and, and tra transforming ourselves in our careers? That is a really good question. And I think the way that I will answer that today is differently than I would have maybe a year ago. Uh -huh. um, and a lot of that is due to the program. And just, right. you know, as Michael said, sometimes we don't even understand the things that are happening within ourselves. The decisions we make. And the more that you start to shine a light on that, sure. um, the more that you A, understand yourself, but B, you're also open to a lot of different perspectives. Sure. So I think when I was younger, I was very maybe, I'm not going to say naive, but I had a very strong opinion around what corporations meant. Sure. Um, and 
I'm not going to go through all the details because that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> um, but at the time, I was running a not-for-profit organization, and one of my volunteers was the head of HR at Starbucks. Okay. And he kept trying to recruit me, and I kept saying no. And Kevin at one point um, called me and he said I had a four-week contract. And it was at a point where I just started my own business. And financially, I could really, I needed the money. Mm -hmm. So I said yes, and I took the role. And I was a recruiter. And as part of being a recruiter, you need to understand the organization to be able to sell the organization to other people. Of course. And as I started to sell other people on the organization, I started to sell myself. But that was four weeks and 15 years later, I was still there. Mm. And part of the reason why is because I really do believe um, to everything that Michael said is it starts with yourself. Um, Starbucks helped me transform and become the person and the leader I am today. Mm -hmm. I had lots of opportunities to grow from a skills perspective and knowledge, um, but more importantly, from a human. Mm. Um, An incredible organization that puts people at the center of everything that it does. Um, But the reality is that I think when it comes to transformation, you can't plan it. And I think there's an element, too, where you can plan what you'd like that transformation to be, but it never ends up the way that you expect it. Mm -hmm. Um, So some of the philosophies that I have is I have a bit of a just say yes policy. So jump in, embrace it. um, Try to use whatever you're presented with as a learning opportunity, even when it doesn't feel good try and look at what is it you can potentially take from it. And by the way, I don't always do that, but I try to because it can be messy and it's not always smooth sailing. But I do think there's, to me, four key lessons that I've learned that I try to think about is one, I always try to think about what is it that I want and to be really clear on that and to not waver from that, um, maybe adjust where needed. But when you know where you want or where you want to go, the second thing is you can start to look at is, and what I'm doing right now, is that working for me? So I'd call that, is that working well? If it's not, is it that it's not working at all or is it that it's not optimized and that you could just tweak something and do it slightly different? Sure. If it's not working at all, then it's either time to readjust where you are or do something differently. And I use a bit of, um, it's a term called ACE, which is A, accept it, If you can't accept it, can you change it? Mm -hmm. If you can't change it, then you have two choices, either accept the way that it is or exit. (laughs) So that's kind of another point. Um, I think it's important to try to have a plan, but know that your plan might change and be flexible with that. Mm. Um, And I think the right thing is that you just need to be the best person you can possibly be. Try to have the right skill set, the right mindset, and constantly learn. And I really think that's really helped me is if I try to embrace things with curiosity and to learn from them, um, that really helps. And then lastly is to be aligned with your values. Once you know what your values are, you can make sure that's showing up in your work. And Mm. if it isn't, then it's time to really have a talk with yourself about whether it's the right thing. Sure. Very nice. Uh, and and talking more about the program, um, you know, we, we've discussed it's a, a journey about discovering yourself, yeah. discovering others, and, and then finally you come to the organisations. Um, term I hear a lot from from the EMC participants and alumni is lenses and and hmm. perspectives. Uh, it's sort of a buzzword almost. Uh, just give us a bit more insights. We'll start with Samantha, but yeah, give us a few more insights in, in what, what are these lenses? What what are the participants talking about when they're talking about lenses and just different perspectives? And how, how do we understand that as an audience looking in from the outside? 
I think there's sometimes we believe what we know is what we know. And the more that I do this program, the more that I realize I don't know. Um, and it's a bit of going down a rabbit hole sometimes where when you start exploring yourself or others with curiosity, it leads to a lot more questions. Mm. I then honestly have moments of maybe I'm making this way too complicated and it's a lot more simple than that. <laughs> and maybe I don't need to be reading too much into it. Um, but I think when I think about lenses, I almost look at it as like putting on different glasses. Sure. So if you think about putting on rose colored glasses, the whole world around you will look a lot you know, rosier. Of course. If you put on blue colored glasses, the world around you looks blue. Um, so the way that I've been thinking about the program is, and this term is used a lot within the program, but looking underneath the iceberg. Sure. So when you see an iceberg, you see the tip of it, but there's a lot of things that are happening underneath. Sure. Yep. And those glasses help you to look at what are those things that are happening underneath. Mm -hmm. um, the way that I've been kind of talking about the program to friends when I'm trying to be succinct about it is it's almost like that archetype of a hero's journey. Sure. So when you think about the hero, is the hero thinks about what does the hero need? What does the hero leave? Um, what does the hero undertake? What does the hero seek? How does the hero fail? Um, what does the hero take? What turns happen in the kind of their journey? And then what with all of those changes can you apply? Mm. So it's trying on lots of different things. Mm. Um, and I'd almost call it in some ways like being a wild explorer. It's just trying lots of different things, trying them on, see what works, what doesn't work, if it gives you a different perspective. Um, and, you know, tied into that, though, I think with any explorer, when they go back, there's always a home base or a home. Mm. And it's a really safe environment to be able to try these things. Sure. So to me, part of the program is also about that lens of what is home. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Safe is something that comes up quite often, too, when you when you talk to the participants. You know, it's a safe place to test these thoughts and feelings and ideas and and it, I, just, I just want sure. to say something on that yeah, is yeah. it really is and i think when you're thinking about personal transformation is it's not just having the awareness but it's also having that consciousness and the space to be able to do it mm. and that to me is really that safe piece mm. yeah very nice michael anything to add there quickly uh i think the program is about learning to see sure learning to see in new ways there's an image that we sometimes use and it relates to the experience that we have all had. Perhaps if you watch uh, sport on television, for example, mm. soccer, we know that uh, we help the teams by shouting at the television. Sure. Because we have a perspective that the people on the field don't have. Sure. And that's a lens. That's a way of seeing things differently. Now, what we're trying to do uh, in the program is to recognize that we are in the game. We are the people who are on the football pitch or mm. the dance floor. We're in the action. But we're also uh, hoping that we can help our participants and ourselves to develop a simultaneous perspective, which is off the dance floor, which sounds mm. a bit odd. But actually, we do that normally in daily life. We say something is happening. What is happening? Uh, and likewise, what we're doing in the program is to say, Things happen in life. We try change in our organizations. We have conversations that we have to have, which may be difficult. We have to confront difficult situations. And at the same time, we can develop a perspective, which is about what is happening here? What's going on between these two people or within this group or in this, in this society? So it's learning to see. And the reason we emphasize the uh, confidentiality and safety of the program is we need a space in which we can work and learn. Mm. 
Of course. And when we know that it's okay to have uh, a new idea, a strange thought, and say something without any fear of criticism or judgment, then we try it out and mm. we learn. Mm. Very nice. Moving back to, to, I mentioned about modern business and, and, and what modern business looks like and, and, you know, transforming in the world and all these changes that are coming. What do modern businesses or, or people that are leading modern business, what, what do they need to consider in this day and age where things are moving so quickly? Um, I, I guess I'll throw that question to you, Michael. When, when we talk about change, um, we don't always mean the same thing when we use the word change. Sure. Um, when I started in this business of, uh, of business and management education 30 years ago, change was essentially about transition. It was going from one steady state mm. to another steady state through a period of turbulence and mm -hmm. then we would again settle things down. Um, the the image now that's often that's often uh, cited is instead of saying we have a calm river and we occasionally go over some rough patches into another calm river, now we have permanent white water. Mm. We have constant tur turbulence. We have constant change um, in the in the industries that we're working in, in the competitive environment, in the the demands from our customers who are ever more uh, requiring us to create more and more value for them in ways that we often haven't even thought about. We have colleagues, we have people working with us uh, who want different things from work. In other words, what we, what we have is a very turbulent, transforming environment. We have to have leaders who can engage with that environment constructively and not try to do the new thing in the old way. In other words, not try to, to deal with change by pretending that we can just settle it down into some kind of rigid form of organization. So we're talking uh, about not only a business environment, which is constantly changing, but organizations which have to be equally adaptive and capable of continually changing and leaders who can guide that process. And we'll finish off with uh, some quick fire questions. Uh, we've got quite a few uh, audience questions, so we'll get through a couple of them. Uh, I guess the first one and, and the most popular one that everyone seemed to upvote was, what is the most important aspect of self-transformation? We'll start with Michael. Most important aspect of self-transformation is find someone you like being with and learning from, hmm. whether it's a group, a teacher anywhere else. If you're not enjoying it, you won't transform. Sure. Have fun. Be playful. Serious doesn't mean solemn. Mm, very nice. I love that. Mm. Um, two things. So to, first of all, I think you have to be open to it and you have to want it because it doesn't matter if somebody tells you you need to transform or even if you're very aware of there's things that you need to do differently, you have to actually want to do it. Sure. And I call it bubble jumping. So what I think is you need to get out of your bubble. And we all have the bubbles that we live in because of our family, our friends, our work, our social circles, and especially today with digital and social media, mm. we're exposed to the same type of thinking all the time. So try and figure out a way to get out of your bubble and do something that makes you really uncomfortable. I really like that. That might spark something in you. Bubble jumping. Yeah. Love it. That's, uh, yeah, that sounds fun. It is fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like that. Very nice. 
The second question was, how do you transform an organization that isn't willing to change? So we're talking about, I guess, uh, organizations that are resistant to change or they're apprehensive about the change that needs to occur. How, how do you go about that? Maybe let's start with Sam this time. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting mm. different results. Nice. So part of me is you don't. Yep. Um, and there's another part of me that thinks you keep trying. So I think if you talk to anybody who works in innovation or who works in an organization that's trying to change that organization, um, you sometimes feel like you need a therapist because you're almost banging your head against the wall. So I think it's one of those questions that isn't easy to answer sure. because it's, you know, goes back to the ace. You accept it, you change it or you exit. Yep. Nice. Never well, promise that you can transform anybody else. You could say, mm. I'll be with you if you want to come with me. Mm, very nice. Yep. I like it. I like that. And I guess one final question. Um, if you could ask our listeners to take one action in their career today or in the near future, what would that action be? Let's start with Michael. Do something strange. Do something that you've <laughs> never done before. Talk uh, to somebody or about something that you've never done before. We only grow, we only change when we step into the zone of maximum learning, which is just outside our comfort zone. Mm. Bubble so, jump. Bubble yeah. jump. Seriously, I think what I'd say to people is ask yourself the question, who am I? I don't think we do that until we're older in our life or something's misaligned. Sure. And I actually think if at, we did it at a younger age where we said, hey, you know, what are my strengths? What are my passions? What am I good at? What does the world need? Um, then maybe you'd have a different perspective on where you want to go. Mm, very nice. Um, there's so much more we could cover. Um, LinkedIn profiles, I'll put them in the show notes so people can find out more about the both of you. All the best for your future careers. All the best for the rest of the program. And uh, thank you very much for your time. Thanks for having us. Thanks for listening. And I'm pleased to announce that next episode, episode 10, will be a special feature as INSEAD hosts a series of events for sustainable development goals. The podcast will give you the unique ability to experience a typical INSEAD event on campus with a presentation and panel session on careers with purpose. We'll be joined by alumni and other guests who will share their success stories in unconventional career paths. If you want to find out more about INSEAD's EMC program, then head to www.insead.edu forward slash EMC.